we have in that stage we have a president in my country that he with the excuse to pay the international debt he has collected all the savings from personal and business from one day to the other he broke the whole country which means when i was 18 19 years old from making 50 60 grand a month uh, to negotiate with bank debts and to to be able to try to understand how can you avoid to not get bankrupt Cesar Hasselman is the man who introduced frozen pizza to Brazil. But before that ever happened, he was just 13 years old when he accidentally started his first business with a school friend. When a DJ didn't pitch at their friend's birthday, Cesar went home, took his parents' gear from their house, and moved it to the party and started DJing. Within three years, he had a DJ business with three cars and six DJs hitting parties all weekend long. This business didn't last as a fallout with his young business partner led Caesar to his next business. Unfortunately, the good times didn't last in this next business either. Out of nowhere, the president of Brazil announced that he would be taking the savings from individuals and businesses' bank accounts, and with that single move, Caesar's next business ended abruptly. An obsessive entrepreneur who appeared in commercials, TV shows, theater, and loves marketing, Caesar had experienced more before the age of 22 than most entrepreneurs do in their lives. My name is Nick Haralambas and I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. So remember, it's not over until it's over. Hey, welcome back to It's Not Over. With me today is Caesar Hasselman. Caesar, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm great, Nick. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what's about to come. <laughs> yeah, and most of my guests who are not sure of what's to come will realize very quickly that it's a therapy session. So good luck to you. I hope you make it through. Tell me, to kick things off, where in the world are you right now and where do you come from? Cool. I'm in Australia, in Queensland, and I'm from Brazil, Rio. But I, I title myself as a Australian made in Brazil because I love this country. Tell me a little bit about what you do right now or what business you're in or any other information that you think is helpful to get us to know you a little bit better in the next couple of minutes. Okay, so I mean, I'm, I'm very abrupt in, I start my life very early and I do consulting, coaching and business mentoring because I don't believe that they, they, they are not disconnect. If, you, if you'd like to do good mentoring, you need to understand about the business or or life of people to help them to go through and if you'd like to do coaching you need to do consulting to understand the business enough to be able to coach in the person through the business so i don't believe that short band-aid fix of i can coach you in some part of what you do in your business because i believe the business is a whole thing is not just one part of it you know and if you give a fixed thing in one piece of it you cannot fix the whole thing so you, you might destroy part of it because you just improving one part of it. So that's what I do. I used to run a business of 120 employees in my country. My country is Brazil. And I touched so many different industries, so many, so many different level of business and people's developments to be able to become successful in my entrepreneurship. So tell me now about the businesses we're going to talk about let's dive straight into the very first one because i i love that off air you were telling me that this was actually your first business when you were 13 which beats me i started my first business when i was 16 so i'm exceptionally excited to hear about this business what it was and why you want to talk about it so let's get into it 
Okay, bring it on. Yeah, it's, it actually was uh, a thing that's happened by consequence of trying to help uh, uh, a family member of a friend of mine, right? We, we're very close friends. We do a lot of things together. And then we went to a party of some people from his family. And then when we arrived there, the DJ didn't arrive. And then what we have done is say, okay, let's go back to my place. I'm going to steal the, the, my, my parents' gear. And then we start to play the DJ to replace it. The... But then we, she, she, was, she was probably 10, 9, 10 years old. I don't remember exactly how, 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 how old she was. But what's happening there is because we're 13 and we believe that we were the adults, so we play the music, so we make them dance, we bring the lollies, we just making the whole thing work, the whole party get excited, we're full of energy. And and funny enough, at the end of that party, the other parents start to ask us to do the same thing for their kids. Right? So after that party was actually an introduction from us to keep doing the same thing. And we we left that party with more than eight numbers of people wanting us to come back to do something for their kids, right? And that's the way we started. Since, uh, since that, we have, we have run business together for almost three years. His mom sponsorship us. She gave us a space in her office. She, she put some structure behind us. And in two years and a half, three years uh, time, we have three cars, six DJs, we, we go traveling with his mom overseas to buy gears. We start to get very fancy and was we never we never look in finances. Uh, was everything supported by his mom. Uh, we never share profit. Uh, was everything about what's the party, what we can do. And we start to record in that in that stage was cassette tapes, right? We didn't have the DVDs and yeah. CDs was was actually <laughs> what, what year? I'm going to interrupt you. What year are we looking at here? Like how long oh. ago was this? Well, mate, I'm 49. <laughs> I was 13, so unfortunately, <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> so that was back in like 1986. Oh come on, <laughs> that's. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, then then we start to then Crazy. we start to get fancy because the DAT system, DAT system, which today is used for a lot of studios as the the premium recording level that you can have for tape, actually was starting to launch mm-hmm. in that era. And let's call era, and and that was also the fight for the new technology. So, so I'm I'm interested in some of the nuance of this business. So the the first thing I'm interested in is you said this was about four years of your life from 13 to 17. Was it an incredible thing that you were making a lot of money? I mean, most 13-year-olds get money from their parents. They have to do chores for it. And here you are running a business with a partner. And like, are you paying yourself a salary? And if so, how much? And was it as much as your parents were making? Like, how did it work? Yeah, Nick, it was funny because the way that we were paid was by pleasure. So the payments came from we having the fanciest and nicest gears that we could pick and choose from. 
we have trips paid off because we, we used to go in, in, in Brazil, anything that's high tech is supposed to be very expensive because the international exchange, right? So his mom used to take us to estates and then we go there shopping and that was our payment. So we, we, we never ever spoke about getting getting cash in our bank account but every time we need to buy a car we need to buy gear we need to fly or transport or we have drivers taking us we have uh, the, the the cars that was under our company you know we have profiting loss that i never ever even saw because his mom was was just giving us report about it but we didn't have even rent to pay because she was covering uh, from her structure, he she she owns the whole building, right? So was was a uh, and then we spend the most of our time just just doing the things that we love to do and and exchange with the gears that we dream to have to be able to play music and and then we start to do recording. So we mm. we use we start to record tapes. So every time every time we go to the parties, we we not just only make the money from the party anymore. We actually bring tapes from uh, 80s music, 70s music, dance music, exercise music. So we have uh, hundreds of different tapes. And then when the party was running or uh, getting the end, we usually sell 15, 20, 30 tapes on top of our fees going there. You know? So wow. the, the, Amazing. The, thing, the things start to get complicated. I, I, I'm interested... Just on that point, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Who helped you understand that your core business was playing DJ music, but then, oh, let's also make tapes and sell like all these extra things. It's like, how did you come up with this at 13? Or was your friend's mom helping you to understand the business model? No, we all, I was so passionate. We, we, we were moving by passion. So what's happening is at the time that we that uh, yeah, it, that at the time that we start to have three parties for for weekend or three parties for one night, we need to start to multiply ourselves. So what we have done is, example, we have run a party that I have bought the rolling recorders. You know that big rolling recorders that have two wheels that they mm. so mm. you can record mm. 13, 20 hours on those things, right? So. What we have done is we have recorded 13 hours of music in different stage to be able to do parties without needing to write some hide somebody else to, to do the DJ for us. Right? So we arrive at the party, Amazing. we set up everything, we let the rolling plays, and then we go for another party to, to play as a DJ, right? And then wow. and then wow. that starts to bring and say, hey, you know what? We instead you pay that much money for us to gear you up. Why don't you buy tapes? And I start to make short tapes and 90 minutes tapes. And those nine minutes tapes, you have oh session one, session two, session three. So we have meetings. I used to have mm. meetings with the 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 owners, the, the the party owners, to to get a pre-selection pre-selections of music. So oh okay, let's play. The first phase of the party, it's a little more slowed down, so we can talk about those kind of music. Mm. Which one you like the most? Right? Yeah. Okay. So and then we we have a pre-selection that they love. So it was easy to move that for tape. And then 
at the end of the party, mm. you have they have some tapes that they can listen to their, their, in the cars. They can listen to music at home. And they don't need to be worried about, oh, we, we don't have the DJ here anymore. So we're trying to multiply ourselves, really, before we start to have more people working with us. We, we arrive in the place that we have six DJs working with us. And we, we managed to have we managed to have average five to eight parties a weekend, Friday to Sunday. That's incredible. So it feels to me like this was a very natural skill that you discovered and then you just felt and went with it. It, it doesn't feel like there was any, I, I hate saying this, but formal business education. You're just going, oh, I love DJing. I love making money. Let's see how I can multiply myself, multiply my income, multiply the parties and just go wherever this goes, which is a fantastic way to build a business when you're young. But were there no adults like guiding you and saying, well, like, what were your parents saying? I'm interested in how your parents felt about this business that you were running. Was it conflicting with your school? Like, what did they feel? They know they believe it was a joke at the start. And then when I start to have more often uh, uh, nights that, that I need people to pick me up and they start to have a parent meeting with my, my friend's mother, because we need to arrive in a place that we need to be mm. free. 13, 14, 15 years old to go to, to start parties five o'clock and sometimes go for a second party, 9 p.m. That goes until 2 a.m., right? So yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. was a natural thing. The conflict start when we start to understand money because when we start to get 16, 17, with the, the party, we, we didn't start this with the passion of being a DJ. We start this to help somebody else to have her mm. party, right? But because I love music, he loved music and we got into it, was just a consequence of discovering a new passion. But then we, 16, 17, mm. you start to have friends that ask you to do party here and party there. And I have, a, I have a brother of a good friend of mine that was not my best mate friend, which was my partner. He asked me to do a party for him, right? And for the first time, we didn't got paid, right? So the guy asked to do a party, and and ah. and and he asked me, "Oh, can, we brought the gear." So I got one of the cars. I got two of our DJs, uh, all the fancy gears. We set up. Was a weekend. I was in a was in a countryside of of our country. So we need to travel two hours. The, the party was a massive party. It was party for 500 people. Anyway, uh, I have done that party and the guy didn't pay us. But because I was the one who negotiated, the one that was linking for my business partner was looking like that I didn't want to give the money to him. And that's where we start to have conflict. Ah. Okay. Because okay. the person, the person at the end, actually, who was looking like that was not giving money to the company was actually me because I negotiate with the person. And usually his mom negotiates with people. But because coming from a brother of one of my good friends, came directly. Ah. Right? First and last Interesting. time. So and he now starts to think, oh, wow, Caesar's done this party. He's gotten paid and hasn't paid me. And this is the first time my mom didn't get involved. So Caesar's obviously taking the chance to take the money. That's where we start a uh, crash. 
in 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 trust because I felt offended and he felt robber, right? Yeah. So and yep. and the only person who understood the situation was his mom. Right. So his mom could understand. So his, his mom actually agreed with you. This familiar jingle lets you know that this is a short advert for those entrepreneurs listening. Do you feel guilty when you're at home that you should be with your family? That's not correct. That familiar jingle lets you know that this is a short advert for those entrepreneurs listening. Do you feel guilty when you're at home with your family that you should be working? Do you also feel guilty when you're working that you should be at home with your family or out with your friends? I get it. It's tough to build something meaningful, but I don't believe that balance is something to strive for. I believe that work is part of life and life is part of work and I want to help you integrate the two more effectively. If you think you need a coach to help you find this integration, then contact me and let's work together. Visit www.nharry.com. That's www.nharry.com. Now, back to the knowledge bombs. Yeah, she, yeah, his mom actually agrees with me, understood the calls. I asked her to go straight and, and, and try to get the money from the guy. But that situation sh shook us in a way that the good relationship, trust relationship was not there anymore. Make sense? And then yeah. I start to feel no more passion to keep doing those things. And I start not feel comfortable with the whole structure that we have because we was everything based on the structure yeah. that his mom has created. Right. So I yeah. lost the passion and the whole, the whole thing for me, I was the, I, I was the ignition. I was the, the petrol in the car and he was the car, right? I have the charisma with the people. I have the energy to play with them. He likes, to mix the musics and he likes to be at the back of the things, but he's not a person person. You know, he's not a people person. He was yeah. not. But anyway, yeah. uh, on that stage, I lost the passion. I started to, to, to detach myself from, from the business itself. I, because of that conflict of situation, I didn't want anything from the business. I just turned my back and I told him, it's everything yours, everything's your mom, you guys deserve it. And I just moved on with my life. He was doing other things because I really, when I lost the passion, I started to engage other things that I have passion for. I was, I was reselling products. I was starting to do a little distribution of, of different products that I, that I used to love to have those engagements in between buying or, or represent products and make some money, you know, that was in my blood. So, and then at the time that I have a vision that say, okay, I lost the passion here and I have this here that's very promising. I have a, a, a big future ahead with this. Why should I waste my time with that, right? And then I start to do, I keep myself doing parties, but more as a kind of uh, a support then uh, I engage owner that I was before until the day that he he got it. He was hemophilic and he got it in, in 1990, 1989. He was in Europe in, on those car, uh, race car, remote control race car that goes 100, 100 
30 kilometers per hour. He was very good on that. And he needs a fusion. He needs blood. And the government just have HIV positive blood in that stage. And between hemophilics dying because they don't have blood, they, the government uh, wow. allow that blood to be shared, to be used with people who need it, transfusion. And yeah, wow. so he died. And then at the end... Wow, uh, what a story. That's crazy. Yeah. He died. I lost a good friend. Uh, we didn't finish up a relationship in the way that we, we should because we both uh, were a little bit hurt because of that that thing that has no 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 reason why to exist. But yeah, he left. He he he. As soon as he turned eighteen, he died. So was 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 a beautiful history. Yeah. Was was a business history, but was more I believe for me was more uh, a life journey history of friendship than business itself. And and from there, I took the reference that if you're not being completely blank, honest, and cruel with your honesty, with the people that you share your potential life risk, it's better for you to not do anything with anyone. Mm. You know, because... Uh, yeah, that's, that's an amazing story. And it's one that resonates with me a lot, it's just in terms of the age and the time. So I have a whole bunch of questions around this, uh, not relating to the business, but relating to how this business shaped you further on. Because I think building a business as an entrepreneur at between 13 and 18 were your formative years. They kind of, they defined how you see the world from that age, right? So people often think that it's crazy when I tell them I started my first business at 16, that you can't learn anything at that age and it's not relevant and you should start later. So what did you learn from this business and this partnership that you think you still carry with you today? I believe the biggest thing that, that I learned is do not do business with people that you can see you're not supposed to at all. No reason why to ask. Okay. It's just simple. I felt that was wrong doing that party since day one, they asked me to, to do the party. And I pushed myself to do it. Ah, interesting. Yeah, because I believe that that was a cool guy. He knows a lot of people. He's the cool guy. He does the big parties, you know? And I just did it because of that, because I said, oh, I'm going to be in a cool party. And we, we usually say at the end of the night or next day, we have done four or five parties. We try to compete which party was the best one and which party was the shit one because nobody would like to be in the fucking boring party, mm. right? Even if you're 14, 15. So yeah. I was going for the yeah. crazy party. And I, what I would like to do is wake up next day and say, hey, guys, you cannot see. The guy was blowing marijuana in, in the balls for the pool. That's the way that he, he, he do party there. Was 300 balls in the pool. And I say, oh, wow. this this weekend will be good. This party will be good. Everyone's going to be high. I'm watching here. I'm just going to see how cool that will be. And then I'm going to share with my business partner that nobody can compete with me with, with which one was the best party. The, the other thing that's interesting to me, that what's what I found really interesting is the idea of conflict in a partnership at the age of 14 or 15 and how vastly different you would deal with that conflict today as a co-founder versus when you're 14 or 15 and it's your first business and never mind 14 or 15 just in your first business whether you're 30 or 40 or 50 you don't really know how to deal with conflict with your business partner because you think 
shit, if I push too hard, they'll leave me or they'll think that I'm stupid or they don't know what I'm doing. But once you've been down this four or five times, I imagine now you've been a co-founder lots of times, you know how to deal with conflict. So how has your dealing with conflict changed over the years? I will tell you something funny, Nick. It's, it's very interesting what you're bringing to light. Do not do business with people that you feel in your stomach is wrong. Doesn't matter the reason why, and doesn't matter how money yeah. they have or how much visibility you're gonna have. Run from that thing because that thing might gonna be your last one. You know. So I choose my client. It's funny because the best way I deal with any conflict after having a 120 employees company, a bank at the back of of our business, in a group, in an industrial group, uh, supporting me up to grow, and seeing all those all those bad behavior from family members and CEOs, directors, people who take advantage to being part of a big family conflict situation. You have a lot of them. Yeah. And what's happened is I went back to my first option when I was 14, 15. And I understood that my way to deal with conflict is the same way that it used to be when I was 14, 15, because all the other ways drag me longer with people that I don't like it. So I have another business. I have I have other business. My my whole life I have different business. So and and some of them, when I have a big conflict, I choose to go down to the solicitor's way and put in the papers and read the contracts, all those things. And that just took me after my 30s to the same place that I was when I was 15, 16, and I chose to walk away from the DJ business, uh, I learned that if you don't have in your pocket, don't take it. So if you want to get away from people that you don't deserve to be uh, close to you anymore, don't drag a conflict for longer. Don't spend money with solicitors. Take your loss as 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 your gift and take your lessons as your future make a sense because then once you can turn your back for doesn't matter what it is and you can understand what is here nobody can take it away you can build something much quicker than spend 10 years fighting for something that's gone with somebody else that you don't want to talk about anymore I love that lesson, and it's one that I've also learned in spades. The second you have to look at the fine print of your contract, the partnership is dead already. That's it, man. If you have a paper that you need to read, yeah. it's too late. It's too you late. should walk away. 100% agree. What a great, great lesson. And it's it, this is why I'm so interested that you're talking about a business from when you were younger, because as much as we want to think that we're better when we're adults, it's the same fucking lesson. The same lesson you learned at 13 is sometimes cut your ties, walk away and start a different business. That when you're an adult, it's harder to learn that lesson because you've got, oh man, I can't think of, you're pot committed. You've already put in all of this effort that you think, I got to stay in. I got to stay. I got to see this through. And actually cut your losses, walk away, start something new because you've acquired knowledge that can help you build a better business. Such a great lesson. Yeah, that's it. So then I want to ask you another question about the idea, right? So choosing the right idea at the right time with the right person. What did this business teach you about that? Because this was an idea that you just kind of fell into and you didn't necessarily choose. So how did that define the rest of the choices you made on what businesses you built later on in life? 
Uh, uh, my blood is entrepreneur, mate. I have I have different incomes. Uh, I went to when I was 15, 14, 15, I started to do some some media. So I used to do some commercials, some marketing, some TV programs. So I did kind of those things and theater well, until I was 19, 18, 19. But the executive line was always calling my my attention. So always I, I love numbers. I love think about selling things, make money, uh, give people service, make money. And when I was around 16, 17, and I was in that transition time, uh, doing the DJ, doing some photos, videos for TVs, making some easy money. Uh, I, I also have a couple of friends that they have some industries that I was I was getting the products to sell for supermarket, to sell for shopping centers, to sell for gas station. Right. And that was something that was also for me an easy money uh, to make. And and I start mm. to grow from that. So in that shape, when I start to shape that was more about what how that looks like for me with my knowledge and with my time. Uh, what how can I make money with the things that I have in front of me? So it was completely a, a white canvas. And because I have those contacts and I say, okay, I'm good to talk to people. I know how to sell. I'm good with numbers. And those guys want to, to sell more. And I have some contacts that I can sell some gas station. I have some contacts that I can put in some, uh, some supermarkets. So then I say, oh, that's the best place for me to, pay, to put myself to make a good money. And then I start a little a small distribution center. And then when you st when I started distribution center, I start to sell for supermarket. I say, okay, what else can I have as a product that I can sell for the same person? Because usually one buyer for the supermarket, they buy 100, 200 different products, right? And then you upscale, you, you upsell. So, and then that's what I start to do. And I start to shape my sales skills. And I, I became a salesman from that. And then... Uh, I, then I add value, bringing other opportunities. So I met a person that was an Italian guy who has created the first frozen pizza and, and nobody even heard about that. They believe, how can you buy a pizza ready that's frozen or whatever, right? That's how old I am. And, yeah. uh, and then <laughs> from the frozen, I start to sell that in, 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 in gas station. You know, so then suddenly I'm selling for the central gas station shell Shell was one of my clients. So I started to do key accounts for Shell, selling for all the, the predatory stations. And then I started to get lubrificants, so STPs and all the products because I have the channel channel to sell, you know? And and mm -hmm. and I start to grow and I became a kind of national distribution center. And I start to pick and choose products that I can, if they are very expensive for, for logistics, I get just the rep which gives you a commission and I don't need to be worried about logistics. Mm -hmm. And if they have a good markup between rep and, and distribution, I get the product and I buy the stock because I can make the biggest money. So I was, I, and I was creating the database and the clientele to be able to just multiply products and create more money. So I, I, again, if you ask me how I shaped that up, was more trying to fill the skills that I have in what I can do, in add value, understanding what I was doing. It leads me to a whole bunch of other things that are really interesting in my head. And something that I firmly believe is that the best entrepreneurs I've ever met and spoken to are very self-aware. 
They understand what they're very good at, they understand what they're very bad at, and they understand where they need to put their attention and draw their attention away from. And it seems like this has been a very big part of your journey. Like you, you just said, oh, I realized that maybe sales was the thing. So I put more of my attention on sales or I noticed that they, they needed a product. So I kind of gave them more products. How do you work on this self-awareness as an entrepreneur? Or do you believe it's just natural that the best entrepreneurs are self-aware? When you fuck it up, Nick, <laughs> when you fuck it up, <laughs> if, you just, if you just can accept that you're not perfect, if you just can accept when you fuck it up that you're shitting something, I'm, I'm not the biggest mm. guy in trying to keep the administration alive in business. I'm not the type of guy that will be counting the coins. I don't like it. I don't like to follow 100% of budget. I like to create my own budget after I make a lot of money. So not before then, you know. So mm. um, that was my way to see the yeah. planet. And, and I say, I'm good in selling. Let's make money. And everything else is going to look after if I can have the money to pay somebody else. You know, and, and that's the way I start to create mm. my own thing. I focus on what I was good. And I try to find people to help me with what was not that good. So my, my brother was working at Coca-Cola uh, at this stage that my, my, my business was start to growing. He's older than me. And I invite him to become my business partner on that stage because I was needing someone like him that has more structure. He was doing the same thing. It's a much bigger scale because he has big mm. company behind him. Right? So... Uh, at the time that I arrived in a place that was not about just me anymore and I need help, I got the person that I trust the most and I asked him to work with me and I show him what I got. And and then my brother was Genius. just, yeah. uh, he, we just divide the channels. I kept myself in what I was good to, to scale that nobody else was because uh, I used to sell for the gas station because I did gas station for Five years, four years, I used to go to, to the gas station. They, they tell me, I don't have place to put in your product, but they do have a little hole that they're they not doing anything. So I used to go there and spend half of the day creating space for my products to be able to give to them, right? So, and I have done that in more mm. than 100 different gas stations, right? Because I was thinking about the, the, the power mm. that I'm going to have after I have 100 clients and be able to, if I sell 10 products for 100 clients, it's a lot of products every month. Make sense? So nobody was yeah. selling. What I was yeah. selling, what I was selling gas station, the key accounts in supermarket in the biggest city of my, my country was not selling for them, which is, is, a, is a big gap to compare, right? Because my channel was supposed mm. to sell much less than the big market channels. And I was selling the same amount mm. of the biggest city in my country, in my city, uh, just in gas station. So then I start to get, everybody start to talk wow. about my name. If you wanted to sell something for gas station, and I became national. So I started selling all the big companies. And, wow. and anyone that needs to introduce products for gas stations, that they, they know someone that knows me, refer them to me. Make sense? So, and my brother was very good in markets. So my brother was doing the channel for markets, supermarkets, mega markets. So we just have combined mm. two of us to become good distribution center. And then because of the frozen pits in, in, my, in my city has a, a, a ice cream, 
company that was shutting down. And then on that stage, we have the chance to get a place to put our products in a very cheap way. So we start to import more Mm -hmm. volume because we find a very expensive frozen area in a much cheaper way because they need some money just to keep running until they shut down. Right. So then we start to become a very Mm -hmm. large, uh, we start to sell a lot of pizza, a frozen pizza in the whole lines. And the line, the first frozen pizza was made by Italian company called La Sibarita. I remember until today. And, and it started to become big on, on the frozen pizza, which is start to become a thing. People start to buy it. So that was one. That's of- amazing. But yeah. because, because this show is called It's Not Over, I'm almost certain that this distribution business ran into some problems. So I tell mean, me a little I- bit about uh, the setup, the context of the problems your business had, because they echo a lot of emerging markets and the conflict that a lot of entrepreneurs are having in emerging markets like South Africa, like Brazil. So talk to me about where this started to go wrong. Yeah, so we have we have two point, three, three key points when you have products in supermarket and gas station you need to have. So first is people to put the product out that allows you to sell. Because if you don't have anyone that can manage your product to put the product out, and, and it, you're talking about internally in supermarkets and uh, in any pre- uh, gas station, you, you, you don't have a business. And if you're doing this nationally, you have a big pile of people working for you in different places, right? So the, the first point is get the logistic right was not quite right. But the second point is a point that we we could not control whatsoever. We have in that stage we have a president in my country that he, with the excuse to pay the international debt, he has collected all the savings from personal and business from one day to the other. He broke the whole country, right? Wow. And. What's happening? So let me understand this clearly. He literally just announced that they had gone into your bank accounts and withdrawn your savings from your business. And from your personal money. From your personal savings and from your business savings. Wow, that's that's incredible. Then with the excuse to pay the international debt, right? So what's happened then, what's happened then is because I have a, a very good clientele, and the secret to have a very good clientele with products is getting the trust to manage the stock, right? If, you, if you're selling products or today online, and then if you, you need to understand that at the time that you have a product that your client allow you to manage their stock from your product, you have gold in your mind, right? So... I used to yeah. have that. Yeah, I, ha- I used to have that in all my clients. All my clientele, I manage their stock. I never sell more than what I know that they can sell. But at the same time, they always have my product in place at the right time. So what's happening is very yeah. different than in Australia. In my country, as a lot of other countries, and when I talk about my country now, I'm talking about Brazil. Uh, you can trade as a business, you can trade your invoices, okay? So you can, your bank trades your invoice before you Uh, get paid, right? So on that stage, when the president got the hold of the money from everybody else, 
what all the companies were doing to be able to have cash flow to pay to pay their suppliers to keep spelling out products what they have done is they have they 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 create a false order for your good clientele to be able to trade the invoice in the banks for money okay so what i'm trying to say is wow. imagine Imagine your client receiving an invoice from an order that he never asked you to, to, to have, right? So wow. the whole system, the whole system was working like that, which destroy any relationship. So what I have is I have a bunch of clients yeah. receiving invoice to pay that from orders that they never order, but the industries that I represent or I have the distribution from, because they invoice directly for my client, they start to do that to be able to keep surviving. Make sense? But wow. destroy the relationship yeah. between the trust relationship between me and my clients. Right? My company, my clients, we went to wow. the thing. So which means in my when I was 18, 19 years old, from making 50, 60 grand a month uh, to negotiate with bank debts and to to be able to try to understand how can you avoid to not get bankrupt. And yeah. the whole speech arrive in front of people that don't believe that you're a liar. And actually the situation of the country was not helping anyone. And there's nothing that I gained with that because all the all the money that they they the invoice that they have received went straight for the company that didn't pay any commission for and even if they pay I cannot accept because I didn't order so yeah that was was the crash my brother went back to work for wow for he he went he started to work for PepsiCo I start to okay. work for Coca-Cola and that's the way I start to work for big companies. That is an incredible story. I'm interested now Now that you're older and you're able to look back on this. And back then, 20, 20 odd years ago, this wasn't a topic of conversation for men and for entrepreneurs. But how did you deal with the mental health of what you were going through? Because you're now two businesses in. In the space of 10 years, both of them have had absolute success and then complete destruction almost overnight. Surely your mental health is starting to really be affected at this point. You're starting to doubt yourself as an entrepreneur. You're starting to think, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Like, maybe I'm never going to make money. So how do you deal with the mental health of this? Uh, I, no, I'm more positive than that, Nick. Uh, that actually didn't affect me that way. Affect me in a different way. Uh, affect me in a way mm -hmm. that... Uh, instead, I'm driving uh, a fancy car. I was driving the Coca-Cola merchandising car with a lot of things in the boot to, to work for Coca-Cola. But, yeah. but I, I was, how can I say? I, I was fighting to keep myself in a place. And, and, and I was trying to find my place in a company, but I could not... I could not see it. So the situation itself got me crazier, got me in a place that I am more confident to do more shit, got me in a place that I said, after I start okay. to work, I start to work in the Coca-Cola and I start to see 
those bunch of people arriving from eight to five and getting things in a square every day. I just discovered that was not for me. I need to go back to to do something myself. I need to to do another business. I need to get away. Executive line is not for me. Those bullshit crap thing that you need to stick on that and bullshit people to get your win or to grow in the company, that's not for me. So then I start other businesses. So that all makes sense to me. And as we as we move towards the end of this, I'm going to call you out on being overly positive in the nicest way possible. You seem to be a very net positive guy. So my one of my last questions is going to be, what has your darkest day as an entrepreneur been? Like when you really thought this is it, I'm done. I've had enough. Fuck all of this. I never want to do it again. Like, Can you remember a very dark entrepreneurial day that you can share with us? Yes, I have a I had a 120 employees company with three business partners and and the biggest business partner never paid for his share. He helps us open a lot of doors and he helps us with cash flow, but he they really, really never paid for the shares. They always trying to find one way to not pay. And because it was very was was very we were in a safe place, we allowed that to go for too long. So, and that, that took me for a very dark place because I grew that company too quick. We, we went from four employees in my living area for 120 employees in two years and a half, right? And we went being just local to being national very quick. And this brought us a lot of problems. And one of the problems was tax. Uh, growing that quick, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of things that's happening in your finance that if you don't keep an eye, you're going to lose the traction. In my case, uh, from the rules of my country, we have we need to pay kind of superannuation and all the taxes. That's a part that you need to pay directly for the government. And by mistake, our financial team has paid inclusive on the employees' income for two years, which is against the law in my country to charge that back, but cause us half a million dollars in oh. in debt with the government, right? Anyway, for uh, the, the whole big picture for that was the day that I, I could not be happy in doing what I was doing. I was too big to be able to stop and leave my responsibilities aside. And, and because of that, I had a relationship with the mother of my son that took going away because I, I was working 70 hours a week. Uh, I was traveling. I have four four offices uh, inter states, and and my son was four month old, and I just spent maybe three days with him. So on that on that day, I I I just look in the mirror and, for, and I said, it's not about the game anymore. It's not about uh, me. Or, I I lost myself in some in some place in this journey. And I don't want anything that I have built until today anymore. And the only thing that I want, discover who I am and have space to have my family. And that was the day that I decided to come to Australia. 
I need to invite you back to do an episode number two with Caesar to talk just about that business because that sounds like an insane story. Two years to 120 people to the founder leaving to moving country. It sounds like we should spend a whole hour just on that. So let's not get too deeply into that. Caesar, this has been so interesting and so valuable. Surprisingly, listening to a 13-year-old's business has taught me a hell of a lot. So before we close off, I want you to please tell my listeners and viewers where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can work with you, and anything else you'd like to tell them. The floor is yours. Oh, that, that, thank you for that, Nick, and thank you for you guys to listen. I have a website at caesarhasselman.com. You can find all the information that you wanted from me there. I'm just going to give you a tip. If you're not hungry for growth, if you're not chasing to be the best one in your field, don't bother to try to look at me because I just can get excited if you're hungry enough to grow. That sounds brilliant. I definitely think we should get you back on to do episode, the second in the series with you. Talk about your next business and your book uh, in more detail. But for now, I'm really excited to say that for you and your entrepreneurial journey, it's not over. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thank you, Caesar.